Welcome to Only Yesterday. My name is Tony, and today we've got a very special guest. Who are you? Um, my name is Jake, but you might know me on Twitch as I am so spicy. Oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Jake, Mr. I am so spicy. And today we're going to be doing a follow-up on um parent loss, essentially parent death. So if you had listened to the first episode, uh, we gave the sources for it, but just as a refresher, um, what we're going to be using is parental death during childhood and depression in young adults, a national cohort study from the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry by Lisa Berg and Mikhail Rostilla. Rostilla, I'm not entirely sure. Mikhail Rostilla. Yeah, something like that. You know, I, I don't know how to freaking pronounce that. And so as a brief refresher, we're going to first discuss the classifications of death. So be them either natural versus external, um, accidental, or so on. So a natural death is an event such as diseases or internal malfunctions that are exacerbated by old age and result in death of a person, i.e. heart attack and pneumonia and, you know, stuff that, you know, older people are more susceptible to losing their lives for so we've also got external death which is any death causing event that is not a natural death external deaths include um, accidental deaths with which are essentially a death that was caused without malice or intent i.e a slip and fall or forgetting your hard hat in a construction zone and unfortunately dying um we have homicide which is when one person kills another person for whatever reason and again, legal classifications of homicide include manslaughter, murder, justifiable homicide, euthanasia, capital punishment, and so much more. Um, we've also got suicide, unfortunately, which is the act of the person intentionally causing their own death. Um, we've got, again, so many different ways. And if you've listened to the podcast, all the episodes up until now, you will have known that my father had also passed. Um, it wasn't necessarily an, uh, an external death. It came from, you know, complications from within his own body. However, I've also noticed while I was growing up, um, again, I would see, you know, traces that he would, you know, he wouldn't necessarily be taking care of himself in the best way possible, right? Um, and so I would consider his death, honestly, I mean, just me. I mean, he he died by, um, I believe it was congestive heart failure, but I would consider his death a passive suicide um, however, <clears throat> again, you could say it was a natural death caused by, you know, diseases or internal malfunctions that were exacerbated by his age. And so being that we just, you know, went over a few of the, you know, the classifications of death. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did you end up losing your parent? Um, so I lost my mom to suicide. Mm. So that, that not, not the way that you you know, that you do want to lose a loved one. You know, I feel like it's one of the ones that kind of leaves, it leaves a big door open, you know, for a lot of different, like, mental variables, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. So, how old were you when this happened? Um, so I'm like 31 now. So it's like, right after I had turned 28, I think. Mm. Yeah, so we're coming up on like four years now, I think. Coming up um, four years. Yeah, so she, uh, it was like a weird situation too. Um, so my mom had kind of like, uh, like a really troubled adult history. Um, she was like in and out with like you know bad friend groups, and you know she was one of those like love forward type of people. So you know, got taken advantage of a lot of the time um, or would just like misread the situation, you know, or whatever it, it would be. Um, and uh, before like leading up to her suicide, um, she was in jail in California and dealt with like a really gnarly um, like police brutality thing. And we were kind of involved in like a lawsuit but um 
it's really, really hard to get a lawsuit to push through in that town when it comes to police brutality, I guess, because the legal system is very much, you know, they look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom dropped the case and then ended up uh, moving back to Utah. And then that's just kind of when everything just like kind of fell apart. And for me, it was kind of like watching like a freight train, like derailment, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing you can do kind of thing you know you're just kind of watching all of this happen you know and it when when people are like very suicidal and like legitimately suicidal like you know you can you can tell what's not just like a cry for attention and what's actually like a really like a really big red flag you know in somebody's communication and it went like that's kind of the kicker for me like mentally was like seeing that change and knowing that you know, I'm probably not going to have my mom around for that much longer. You know what I mean? And like the other shitty part about suicide is because it's, you know, it's what somebody is dealing with within their own mind. You know, it's a very like, you know, close to them type of issue. And a lot of people don't really want to like, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to branch out with people. They don't want to like, quote unquote, bore people or like take up people's time or like have to take away from whatever anybody else might be dealing with, you know, to deal with what they're dealing with. Um, You know, suicide just kind of becomes the, that just kind of becomes the destination realistically for a lot of people, it seems like. And that's just kind of how it was with my mom. And it was like the very stereotypical, like a couple weeks leading up to it, the messages from her started getting more and more dark and dark and dark and like, you know, there's only so much I can do 12 hours away, you know, being in a completely different state and stuff. So then for me, it's, you know, just trying to be communicative, you know, trying to like pull her out of whatever, you know, whatever hole that that is. Um, And then it just kept getting worse and worse. And then um, she like mentioned something about like sending all of like, my children's stuff and like my brother's children's stuff and everything out, you know, to us. So we would have it. And, um, yeah, she didn't like tell us like explicitly like, Hey, I'm going to go and like commit suicide or anything like that. It was just, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know how much more time I have left type of thing. Um, I can't do this anymore. You know, like that was another one of the like really flaggy texts. And then she posted a Linkin Park song on her Facebook. And I think it was Robot Boy. And then that was the last post she posted on Facebook. And then the last time anybody heard from her. Because she went to the post office, sent all that stuff out, posted that video, and then went, like, went radio silent. And there was, like, a big snowstorm that was coming. And my mom, being homeless, like, at the time, just kind of couch hopping because she hadn't, you know, set up her roots anywhere after California. You know, she had places to go, but it was one of those, I think for her, it was like, she felt like a burden, you know, and stuff like that, because it was right around Thanksgiving when this all happened. It was like a day after Thanksgiving. So like the Saturday, like right after Thanksgiving, um, she went missing because she disappeared and we didn't know where she went and she didn't like check in with anybody or anything like that. And from what some of her friends had even told me in the aftermath, like they had offered her a place to stay and stuff like that with the snow coming and everything like that. It just wasn't like a permanent thing that they could offer her. But, you know, what she made it seem like is nobody was willing to help her. So I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know exactly, you know, who's telling the truth, you know what I mean? Or who isn't, um, you know, and I don't know what else was going on in my mom's head, but yeah, she, uh, she disappeared and it was, what made it super difficult in finding her was the snowstorm. So like there was this like big giant, like blankety snowstorm that happened that weekend. And she went to where she always used to go to, to like clear her head and everything. And it was at city Creek park. And she went there to like go camp or whatever. And I'm assuming like that night, you know, after everything happened, you know, she just kind of just, was out in the cold, you know, and didn't really have anywhere else to go. So I, I'm assuming that that's how it happened. Um, Cause they couldn't give us any definitive info. Like when, by the time they had found her, you know, she was already too far decomposed, but 
yeah, I guess it snowed on top of her. So that made it impossible for us to find her. And then she was missing until like January. And there was an older couple walking through City Creek Park and their dog picked up like my mom's scent and like dragged the owners down to the water. And they found my mom like floating in the middle of the water. And the way I found out about that was like, I didn't even get like a phone call from anybody saying that it might be my mom or like anything like that, that it might be a missing person. Like I had to get linked a news story that got shared on the KSL talking about an unidentified body found in city Creek park. Yo. So yeah. So then after I got that article, my brother was like, Hey, like I'm really worried that this is mom. And like, I knew, like I, I knew, you know, the location, all of that. It, if the body's decomposed, it's been gone for a long time. My mom's been missing for a long time. You know, it's that that's all it is. And then um, they were like, well, I'm going to call the police in the morning. You know, um, I'm waiting to hear back on a detective because they have to identify based off of tattoos and what is still there. And then they're going to give me a call. So I went to work and I told my boss that, like, they might have found my mom. And he was like, yeah, dude, just go home. Like, even if it isn't, I'm sure that this is like already traumatic enough. Like, dude, just go home. So I drove home and right as I'm backing into my like parking space at my apartment, my brother calls me and I was just like, Hey, what's up? And there was just silence on the other end of the line. You know what I mean? And I was like, it's mom, isn't it? And then my brother broke down and then I immediately knew. So like all of that whole, like them being missing and everything like that, that made it even more like, I guess, painful in a way, because I had so many people like within that period of her missing that are like, oh, she's okay. You know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time she was like, she was gone the whole time. You know what I mean? Like she never made it past that weekend, you know? And it it sucked like me feeling that and knowing that, you know what I mean? Like you feel it's, you know, I don't want to sound like nerdy or anything like that, but like, dude, you feel that disturbance, you know, in the force type of thing. Like, you know, when someone's gone, you know, Mm. like, and it, that's how it was for me. So it just kind of got to a point where like, I got sick and tired of people like trying to be overly positive about it. You know what I mean? Cause that honestly just made it hurt even worse, yeah. you know? So like, for me, it was like mentally just preparing for that. And then finally, after like being mentally prepared for it, having to actually deal with, it was really fucking rough, you know? And like realizing that like life isn't full of miracles and shit like that and hurtful shit happens and at any given time you can become the center of you know a really traumatic experience like that you know and that was it was honestly really eye-opening yo um so damn bro that you i'm sorry to hear that fuck bro i'm sorry to hear that yo i mean there's there's so much that you said and there's a few things that i wanted to touch on um one thing that you said was like you know, when someone is suicidal, um, again, it has nothing to do with all the other external people. Like it's just, it's a personal choice that that person has committed within themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I'm, this is, this is just it for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very important because I know when I hear about a lot of people making jokes or being insensitive or, you know, telling people, Oh, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But if you've never felt that not only just the void, but also the, the intangible grip of something that says this is it like i mm-hmm. don't know what else to tell you like it's almost like your body is holding you hostage or your mind is holding you hostage that's a really and, good way to put it yeah that's a really good way to put it it's 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 hard to uh it's hard to break and even then some people you know, again, for whatever reason, they either feel like it's necessary or they feel like they don't know how to get out of whatever it is that they're feeling. And I just wanted to mention that because it's, it's so important. You know, mm-hmm. we, we are all, we're here, we're still, we're people, you know what I mean? At the end of yeah. the day, um, it doesn't matter what occupation you have. It doesn't matter, you know, your political affiliation doesn't matter your freaking sexual orientation. Like at the end of the day, we are people first. Yeah. so, I just, yeah, I think that's important. And again, another thing you had mentioned is, you know, being at the center of this massively traumatic experience, bro. Like that, okay, 
without the news being involved, yeah, whole everything else is fucking traumatic enough. Like yep. that within itself is like whole, a whole family's worth of trauma, bro. And yeah. then now we got the news. So now we got either peers or haters or friends or family members. Oh, it didn't even stop. Like the news, the news also like salted the wound down the line. Even bro, no, no, no. Go ahead, tell so, me, bro. I, wow, uh, wow. So there was a uh, like, I think it was like a year or so after. So it was probably like maybe two years ago now. Like mm-hmm. for you guys, um, there was a a body that was found, like a jogger or some shit that was like jogging through City Creek Park, and I guess they got murdered or something like that. So they found the body in City Creek Park and then did the typical news thing where they like try to generate some sort of a hysteria. You know what I mean? And they felt the need to mention that it's not related to my mom's body that they found. So like at the very bottom of the news, like completely like it, there was no need for it to even be in there. It was, you know, just kind of a, hey, don't worry. You know, these are completely unrelated. Like, this has nothing to do with this body. And then there's a link to the story about my mom's body that they still had up on KSL. Bro. And then still hadn't identified her. Even after they identified her, they didn't They didn't even bother putting her name or anything. Like, she was still just a Jane Doe found in the park. Wow. And then I had to, like, go off. Like, I went absolutely ape shit on KSL and every other media like page that had that story up. And I got it pulled off of like, I got it pulled off of their website and everything. Um, yeah, I went off. Like I talked to like the management, like I got the person that wrote the article in trouble. Like I went off dude. Cause it was just, there, there's no need, you know what I mean? Like, no, I I do, bro. Like there's it, it, there, there's no, there's need, no need at all. At all. You know, it had nothing to do with, you know, had nothing to do with anything that that was going to happen in that park just because it is like going back onto that whole it's it's somebody's own problem. You know what I mean? That just happened to be the location that, you know, my mom was the happiest and unfortunately like that's where she felt the most comfortable, you know to like end you know the run that she had Mm -hmm. i feel you and so i i I agree with that notion as well because let's say you know we talk about the murder that happened out there and Mm -hmm. the the news source didn't also fucking acknowledge that it's the same place where someone got kidnapped the other day same place where Mm -hmm. someone was freaking exposing themselves like the same place where there was a fucking assault that happened like you could have mentioned any other thing but for some reason like it's super disrespectful in my opinion mm-hmm. ultra frustrating for sure yeah yeah and it just like i don't know it was just super fucking weird and super unnecessary and it i don't know it it made the whole the whole grieving process just kind of like start over almost you know what i mean because then it's like all right cool so now like not only did i have to lose my parent but now my parent is being used, you know, as a media piece, you know, to generate or like degenerate hysteria in a community. You know what I mean? Which is just like, that's just not cool. You know, that's not my, my mom didn't want to like do this. So people would sit there and like talk about her on the news. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. you know, anything yeah, like that, like realistically they could have done her a solid and like you know linked something about like you know suicide prevention or something like that or mental help or something like that and they could have been like well you know this isn't related you know Hmm. if anybody is feeling this type of way or something like that like there's so many ways that you know they could have gone about it that they didn't you know and it just made it just so annoying like oh. I, I hate the media machine sometimes, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just I don't understand I don't understand the fear, like the fear mongering and the just that. Like why are you trying to generate that within a community? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, bro. And I feel it's mainly for, you know, the clicks, the likes, the, mm-hmm. the exposure really. It but, sells. Um, you know, that's yeah, the type really of does. stuff that sells, unfortunately. You know, people are gonna 
Like that, that's the shitty thing. You know, people are going to click on stuff like that. You know, people do have like, you know, they, I don't want to say that it's morbid, you know what I mean? Cause like people are just genuinely curious, especially when it comes to like real shit happening, you know what I mean? So then it's understandable why like shit like that is used, you know what I mean? And I know I'm not the only person that deals with that. You know, I know that there are tons of people that lose a loved one or something like that. And then anytime something else happens within that similar area, you know, they also get linked and used as, you know, as a media pawn. And it's just, it's just hurtful. You know what I mean? Like coming from a, from the perspective of like being a family member of that person, you know what I mean? Like it it definitely made me like, I don't know, understand what other people might be feeling when I've been looking on the news and it's like you fall down that weird rabbit hole where it's link after link after link. And it's just because of shit that's happened at a certain place. Like, People often forget that, like, you know, the person that's being talked about in the story was a real person. You know what I mean? They had a family. They have people that are actually grieving about them. You know, mm-hmm. shit like that. It's not just, it's not a storybook. You know what I mean? It's not some character that the media outlet came up with and decided to kill off. You know what I mean? It's like you know, that person was living a life just like you and me, you know, and they probably loved looking at news stories, too. You yeah, know, they're, they're but, people. Yep. And uh, and so that brings me to the next uh, the sub the next subject here. Um, I was wondering if you had gone to therapy about this. Have you you know done any inpatient or outpatient? Have you gone to you know talk to a quote unquote professional? So so yeah, um, I ended up having to just because um, you know the the parental loss it hits hard regardless of what age you're at. Mm-hmm. Being an adult, I feel like it hits in a different way because nobody's there to prevent you from being reckless in your grieving process. Yeah. And that's, um, that's where my downfall was. So that's where it got really difficult for me because my mom was for the longest time, you know, like that, that was my rock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I had like a stepdad, but like my stepdad was in the picture and then couldn't give up you know, his porn addiction or his alcoholism or anything like that. So then ended up like, honestly, in my opinion, like kickstarting my mom's like kind of downfall, if that makes sense. Cause that broke her. And then everything that came after that was like super nuts. And I had to sit there and pick up so many of those pieces. And there was like a portion of my life where like I was my mom's caregiver realistically, because like that had fucked her up so mentally. Like she had agoraphobia, like she wouldn't go outside like type of shit. Like, um, yeah. So I, I had to, you know, I had to deal with a lot of that, take on a lot of that mentally and then try to find a spot for it, you know, cause we're always trying to compartmentalize our traumas and our stresses, you know, because every day you're dealing with new ones, you know, you always just put them in a box, throw it to the side, deal with it if you can. So that's what a lot of that was for me. You know, if my mom was still breathing and still doing her thing, like everything's golden, we're good. And then it got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. Like I just, I couldn't, you know, I'd got my mom to a point where she was getting out of the house. She was like being able to go and be social, doing her thing. And then I moved away. And then that's when my mom started her like journey of, you know, going to California and falling through all that shit and this, that, and the other. And then she ended up living with me again for a little bit. And then that, like, we had this big ass fucking fight, like super gnarly fight and stopped talking for a while. And then shortly before she committed, um, when she was traveling back, like to Utah, she stopped in Portland for a day and we like had pizza, like smoked a bunch. I bought her some joints and shit for the trip. Um, we like talked about everything, like squashed everything. And that should have been my first kicker. Like looking back on it now was just that day. Like, mm. cause it was very much one of those like tying up loose ends type of days. You know what I mean? And like, I, I looked at it more as just getting to hang out with my mom you know what I mean? Like, and I honestly, like, 
in my opinion, like looking back on it now, like I took a lot of that for granted. Like I definitely could have hung out with her longer. You know, I could have done more. Like if I would have known like that fucking song, you know, like that fucking, if I would have known, you know, that fucking song, <laughs> like, bro, like dead ass, like that. Whenever I think about that day, like, dude, like I, I would have hung out longer, you know, like I would have, if I would have known that that would have been like the last day that I would have seen my mom. Um, so that like that adds and then that's even more that I have to sit there and like compartmentalize and put into a box and then being an adult and nobody really like stopping me from being reckless. You know, I, I just kind of fell down this really big reckless fucking path, dude. Like I was, I was going street drifting, like illegally, like on the streets doing shit fucking three to four nights a week, um, with no regard for like my personal safety. Um, you know, I was, I started really drinking again. So I was like becoming an alcoholic all over again. Um, mixing that with being stoned literally 24 seven. Like there wasn't a moment that I wasn't high. Um, and then it just kind of, that started to take like this weird toll on me where like, you know, just like what you talked about where like, you feel like you're a hostage, right? Mm -hmm. Like I felt just like I had a backpack, you know what I mean? And I was having to carry around just this fucking like, kind of like a gremlin almost, dude, just like, just behind your back, dude, just influencing you on doing other shit. And the moment that you try not to do it, dude, like you can't, you can't physically get away from that. So like, you know, I'm just sitting there watching myself just get fatter and, you know, like I started smoking cigarettes again too. So like that was even worse. Like, so I'm just doing all of that and I'm, I'm watching myself just change and become more and more depressed and like more and more unrecognizable to myself and I'm helpless to do anything. And it got me to a point where I started tying up my loose ends and I had a date and everything. And I was going to commit on 329 of 2019. So, um, my big kicker was that whole friend group that I had after my mom passed ended up like I ended up losing a vast majority of them. And then they all planned this fucking big beach trip and then did the whole like selectively, like not talk about it around me type of thing, you know? Mm. And then I, I started to realize like, okay, cool. Wow. So like, I'm not even invited to like a birthday party. It's like, who the fuck do I have? You know, who really cares about me other than just like, coming out and committing fucking like driving infractions with, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have shit, you know, like I lost my mom. I didn't have a lady at the time, you know, that wasn't just some like, you know, just some fucking hussy, you know, you know, no offense to anybody out there. That's an offensive like way to describe <laughs> it. But, um, you know, it just, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good for me at all. And that, it, it's kind of weird. Like the more when I sit there and like think about it, like life kind of kind of sets you on really weird paths. Like I don't want to say that like people that commit, you know, are destined to do so. But I definitely feel like when you are living and you are conscious and you are doing what you need to do, there are places that you need to be. You know what I mean? And I definitely feel like life throws situations and it throws people into your life to kind of, you know, fork in the road, those dumb decisions that you're kind of making. And for me, um, I had kind of hit that wall and I was done. You know, I was sick and tired of sitting outside of a Dutch bros until butt 30 in the morning, just, you know, like with nobody. And I, I was sick of being lonely, you know, and all of that. Um, cause all the ways that I thought that I could like deal with it and grieve and all of that, they were they're volatile you know what i mean like i was destroying myself and not even realizing it you know and mm -hmm. um i i had i had destroyed myself like and i was i was pretty much just at my last bit i was gonna smoke a bunch of weed and then that was gonna be like my ticket out like i had a bunch of blunts and weirdly enough like um my lady was also dealing with some shit. So she went through her own fucking like her own journey 
you know, and she's been through some crazy shit. Like I'm, I'm sure she'd have tons and tons of shit to tell, to tell you, um, and talk about on here. Um, but, uh, she had the same idea and had a center console full of, you know, meds and stuff. And she was going to do kind of the same thing that I did, you know, and just go in her car and that was going to be it. And, like weirdly enough i felt compelled to just like hit her up and i think it was just kind of like maybe my subconscious's last attempt at like trying to save my own life you know what i mean like trying to kind of break free from being a hostage and like i messaged her and i was like hey like i've got two jars full of weed and i've got a bunch of blunt wraps like you know do you want to like hang out and smoke you know i'm not doing anything i'm super bored all my friends you know ditch me to go to the beach and she was like, you know what? That sounds great. Like, you know, let's hang out and smoke. So that was like, we didn't know it, but that was going to be like our last little bit. And then um, we started hanging out and then, you know, smoked the first one and then the vibes were just good and then smoked another one. And then we just kept hanging out and it was me, her and her two dogs. And we fucking hung out for God knows how long, like hours and hours at the top of this parkade right by Union Station. And... Um, yeah, we just didn't want to stop hanging out. So then we dropped our dogs off and which is ironically down the street from where we live now, which is like super fucking weird. Right. So drop our dogs off. And then we went back to my place to just go smoke some more. And we watched pineapple express and we got super stoned and it was weird. We like passed out separate, you know, but then woke up like snuggling and shit you know and then that's that's just kind of how it was like we just kept hanging out and then after we had hung out for a bit like I just kind of like jumped the gun and you know really wanted her to be mine I guess you know so I just started like calling her my lady and then it just kind of you know I formally asked her after she gave me shit about it but um yeah and then now we have a kiddo and all of that shit and it's been wild you know what I mean yeah so you but yes therapy yes that that was the the original (laughs) thing uh but yes so all of that like after getting with her and all that shit um all of those compartments kind of just they they come to the forefront especially when you're like a dad right so like we had our kid and you know there's the whole postpartum that men and women both deal with you know so like i had my own postpartum shit you know she had her postpartum shit so that's even more compartmentalizing And it just, it hit a point where we were like super duper stressed and I had put off therapy for a long time. Like so many times was I that person. It's like, no, I don't need therapy. I don't need that. I can handle it on my own. I couldn't before. Why do I think I can handle it now? I don't know why, but I kept trying and trying to be the handle it on my own guy. And then things really came to a head for like Caitlin and I and like, um, you know, I didn't realize how much of my, like, how much of my baggage, you know, wasn't compartmentalized and how much of it was just free floating in my head and really like kind of bringing me back down into like a really depressive state and, Mm -hmm. you know, not where I need to be both as like a dad and as a significant other, you know what I mean? Like I I wouldn't want to be around somebody that's, you know, dealing with like a floaty crabby mind all the time. And I, I really had to like kind of had one of those face myself in the mirror moments. You know what I mean? Like we were kind of at our wits end together, you know, and like, that's my person. That's my kid. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to lose any of that, especially to like some bad mental, you know, bad mental shit that I should have handled ages ago. So then I like, you know, really started to seek out therapy about it. And um, yeah, now I have a therapist and, all of that shit. And she focuses on like, um, like we focus on like my childhood traumas and all of that shit and healing all of that. Um, and then she's also like a relationship therapist and shit like that too. So like, she's able to really like perspectivize a lot of like things that, you know, have been difficult for me to grasp, you know what I mean? Or like have been difficult for me to, you know, come to terms with just like, as to what like healthy relationship looks like, you know, cause I, I was never really, you know, I never really got to witness, you know, all of that growing up, you know, and didn't get that, you know, 
I, I dealt with my own shit, you know, dealing with my mom growing up. So um, it it's one of those things that helped me, you know, and I can definitely say that it helps people, you know, like if you're one of those people that's on the fence about it, you know, and you're consistently a like, I'm going to do it. I can do it myself. You know, I don't want to talk to somebody. I don't want to talk to a stranger that won't help. Yes. The fuck it will. Like I'm telling you right now. Yes. The fuck it will. Like, honestly, some of the most healing shit that you can do is actually talking to like a professional, like not your homie, not like, you know, somebody like that, like talking to somebody that's actually like trained to be able to analyze what you're saying to give you an actual, you know, an actual grasp on what it is that you are feeling. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. if I didn't have that, I wouldn't know what my diagnosis is. You know what I mean? And actually having a diagnosis now, it's great because now I understand why things make me tick or what I can do if something does start to make me tick or how I can like process all of that grief that I still have, you know, that I'm still going to process for the rest of my life. You know, like you you never really get over that. It just gets easier, you know, like, uh, fuck one of my biggest the biggest analyzations that I use for it is like it's a the ball in the box like have you heard of that one so like tell me about it what's going so, on with the ball in the box okay so imagine you're in a box right mm. big ass box like say a box the size of your room that you're in right now right your grief is an inflatable ball okay and it can become as expansive as the entirety of the box. Mm -hmm. What a lot of people deal with, you know, myself included, especially when it came, you know, towards the really low points of my mental was sometimes that box is too small for all of that grief, right? So your headspace is way too small. It's too small to support yourself at the same time, you know, as it's supporting all of this grief. So you end up suffocating underneath this ball because it's consistently expanding and it's going to, you know, fill whatever voids it needs to, and it's going to wrap around whatever it needs to. Um, You don't, you know, you're stuck in the box and you can only go so far within that box before that ball kind of, you know, pushes you into a corner per se. And then it becomes extremely suffocating. Um, and that's what a lot of people struggle with is like, I feel like they don't find ways to deflate that ball, like mm. in a healthy way, you know? And unfortunately a lot of those people, you know, like they just suffocate and they, they become a victim of that limited space. You know, they can't really grow. You can't grow mentally or anything like that. If you have this big giant thing weighing you down, but yeah. Um, a lot of people just kind of become victim to that. And, and I did, but sometimes, you know, having a professional there at the top of your box, being able to just pop it when it gets too much, mm-hmm. you know, it, it definitely gives you some space to grow. And it, that in and of itself is like a very big, like a very big mental challenge. You know what I mean? Like seeking help, admitting that you have something that you need help with. Like, mm-hmm that was one of the biggest ones for me too, was like just admitting that I'm struggling, you know, cause nobody ever wants to, you know, it's embarrassing. Like it is that it, it boils down just right to that, that core feeling of embarrassment. You know what I mean? Whenever you feel like you don't have your shit and somebody else does, you, you don't want to talk about the fact that you don't, you're going to fake it till you make it. You know what right, I mean? Right. And that's, I feel that. that's where that whole, like, I'm okay. I'm just tired, you know? Mm-hmm. like that's that's where that whole mindset comes from and before i had therapy i lived that's where i lived that's where i was comfortable you know like i was totally fine just being trapped within myself you know and it hits a point where some people realize the damage that it's doing and some people don't and if you can like if you are listening and it does resonate with you at all like if you do feel like a hostage or, you know, like you're just kind of a prisoner just within yourself, like maybe, you know, maybe therapy can help you the same way that it did with me. You know, if you're dealing with something similar, you know, if you've lost anybody, anything, even, you know what I mean? Like a pet, 
you know, like a scholarship or something, even like, dude, if you've lost something that means something to you, you know what I mean? And you can't quite figure out how to like cope and you don't have somebody really, you know, solid to talk to. That's a solid Avenue, like right there through and through, like, don't rip yourself apart. Don't let yourself rip yourself apart, dude. Like go and go and get help. And I mean, even if you hate it, dog, like you try it one time, you know, try talking to like, that person one time and see how you feel afterwards. And I, I'm willing to bet that you feel better. Right. Like, and I, I like to tell people that like therapy works on, it, it needs two things to work effectively. Mm-hmm. One, the therapist must be a good therapist and yep. two, you must be taking therapy seriously. If yep. you're not taking it seriously, it's not going to work. And if the person sucks at giving therapy, it ain't going to work. Yep. Um, so I've actually got, I've got a couple more questions. I think two more questions and then we're going, we're going to wrap it in, wrap it out, wrap it up. However you want to wrap it. Let's um, get it. So who are your role models? Oh shit. I mean that one. Fuck. That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, just mm-hmm. because I, there are a lot of people that I look up to, you know what I mean? Um, Let's say top three. <sighs> Famous or non-famous? I mean, whoever it is. Okay, let's say one famous, one person that you know actively, like you actively know this person in your everyday life, and then one person who's not yet famous, but you see them growing. Shit. Um, honestly, when it comes to famous people, like I don't even really think that I have like, any famous role models. You know what I mean? Because they're just, just kind of famous. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, okay, but what if they're not around? That's fine. They can still be a role model, like it's someone um, who inspires you to do better. Well, my grandma for sure. Okay. Um, because like she was kind of, she was there, like, and dealt with me like through kind of my like rough shit and like my first little bit at becoming a dad. Um, and she never got to like. You know, she never got to meet Hazel or anything like that, but she was always like there and supportive. Um, so COVID sucks. Um, yeah. But uh, definitely her. Um, fuck. I don't know. Like, I kind of just, I got to lump all my dad friends in just as, as a one. Like, every one of my, like, my friends that's a dad right now that's mm-hmm. like, doing it like i don't just mean that you just like have a kid you know what i mean like i mean like you're actively doing it you know like making shit work and making your kid you know safe and happy and you know and your lady too like doing or if you're a single dad like and your boss ended up like that too you know what i mean um like i spend a lot of time looking up to like my peers you know what i mean and like looking to those people like even without like asking them for like advice or help or anything like that just like even just kind of observing the way that they go about you know like making Mm -hmm. shit happen and and being inspirational you know to their household or to their kid and like their own way i think that's like you know that's honestly really inspiring as a role model um and then fuck i don't I got to lock in the third one. I feel like I have to like, I mean, I have they, to. they don't have to be famous. You can just lock in a third one and they can just be whoever. Shit. Honestly, honestly, my lady, like, okay. Like real talk. Like, cause without her, I honestly wouldn't, I wouldn't be inspired to do half the shit that I do, you know, for my own self. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, a wouldn't have saved my ass. You know, I probably wouldn't be, sitting here talking with you right now um you know i wouldn't have my kid and i wouldn't have like a solid other person to look up to like raising my kid you know what i mean like you know that i i it it makes me want to do better you know just as a person you know like Mm -hmm. she makes me want to do better as a person like 110 percent, like my better half honestly um so yeah yeah definitely her Okay, yeah. Shouts out to all the role models. Bless y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thank you all for being here in the in the month of in flesh or in the spirit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we we look up to y'all. You know what I mean? You inspire us. Um, They're out so there. The last question I've got for you, brother. What's is, that? So, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a dense one. 
Um, That's okay. I, so, I like the dense ones. You like the dense ones. Um, so how do you feel about how do you feel about being a parent? Right? How do you feel about you know growing and watching your child grow into an adult as well? Um honestly nervous like nervous as fuck um being a parent's hard like it really is you know and to people that aren't like parents um you know like i don't like you can raise like your siblings and all of that like you can have those those parental feelings you know what i mean but i don't i i feel like you have to like once you have like flesh and blood, that's mini you, you know what I mean? Like there's something in that brain that unlocks, you know what I mean? And it's, ah, oh, dude, it's a whole new level of just everything. Like now I understand why my mom, you know, didn't want me doing shit that, you know, she wanted me doing, you know, or didn't want me doing, you know, like I understand like, you know, when I'm trying to tell my mom that I'm doing like a cool skate trick or some shit. You know what I mean? My mom's <laughs> analyzing how fucking dangerous that is. And like, oh man, my kid could have gotten really hurt. You know, I'm not thinking about that as a child, but you know, I'm thinking about that shit as an adult. Like I'm sitting there watching my kid at a playground now, you know, like around anything. <laughs> <clears throat> and like, it's dude, it's nerve wracking. And it, it feels like, you know, you, in your head, you have all this time. Right. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, I got 18 years with my kid, you know, until they're an adult. Dude, I'm already on year three and it feels like she was born yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, like somewhere within like, you know, your time frame, there's a fast forward button that keeps getting pushed. It feels like because like my kid's like a new kid every day, you know, like there, there's something new that she does, you know, every day or there's like there's those moments that, you know, I mean, they don't tell you that you have to kind of prepare for like your, your kid to die a little bit along their journey. Like if that mm -hmm. makes sense, like that's kind of like a morbid way to describe it, but like yeah, you yeah. have to say goodbye to like versions of your kid that you're never going to see again. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm never yeah, going right. to have that super tiny baby, you know, that can only coo and like grab my finger. You know what I mean? Like, now I have a three-year-old with attitude and, and she knows what she likes and all of that, you know, like she, mm -hmm. the, the way that she says certain things now, she's never going to say them all cute and goofy ever again. You know what I mean? And like, I have to, I, I have to like prepare myself for that. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're literally watching you grow up again in a weird way. And it's for me, I think it was really healing. Like there's, there's, uh there's a portion about it that's really healing for me just because i didn't have like you know i didn't have a dad you know i had like a broken home and then i had got a stepdad like after i had done a lot of my childhood shit you know what i mean and then mm -hmm. i had to deal with all of that and then kind of the loss of that again and for me it just kind of made me want to show up to the plate as much as i can you know and like really try to be what I didn't have. You know, you know? I, yeah, I, I, I feel that bro. Um, and if, if y'all know anything about my story, like, uh, I had two, like my dad could have been there more, I'll say, um, yeah. before his passing. And, uh, it's, it's kind of like you, you want, you want to do better than what you saw growing up. Right. Like, or at, at the very least, that should be a goal. Or I mean, yeah. and if that's not a goal for you, if you want to do worse, then fuck it. Go out there and fucking slay the world. But I mean, if <laughs> if for most of us, uh, we we want to do better because we don't like the feeling of what happened yesteryear. We want yep. to, you know, provide a better uh, foundation. And so I think that's super important. And I, Bro, I, that shit resonated with me, bro. Like, that's really, that's literally why I do social work. Like, because outside of the stuff that I went through growing up and, you know, well, I think I actually talked about it a bit on the episodes, but um, outside of that, just like seeing what I'm seeing and hearing these stories that I'm hearing, like, it fucking sucks out here in these streets, bro. Like, yeah. we need to, <laughs> we need to be here for one another because yeah. it's, it's rough um, for sure. And so I think that was, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so 
if you or anyone you know are struggling with anything related to parent parent death, you know what I mean? Um, please reach out. Please seek help. Please be there for one another. This world is wild. This world is crazy. But we're trying. And I feel like that should be worth something. Um, mm-hmm. You got anything else? Um, Honestly, just, you know, just be kind to one another. You know, you're, you don't you don't ever know what anybody's going through. You know, I mean, unless you do. And the only way that you're going to find out is if you talk to people, you know, so don't don't watch your friends, you know, suffer in silence. You know what I mean? Don't I, I guess don't accept a am fine, man. I'm just tired. You know, mm. like if, if you're seeing signs and shit like that, just know that, you know, sometimes your friends aren't going to be the ones to reach out. And it, it comes from a place, you know, it's not because they don't trust you or they don't want the help. It's that a lot of the times they're going to be too embarrassed to ask for it or they're not going to know the proper way to do so. So if if you do see anybody that does look like they're struggling, you know, sometimes it's as easy as just asking them if they're OK, you know, and don't don't hesitate because I promise it it hurts a lot more when you don't say something. And you find out that, you know, they were really struggling with some serious shit and you lose the ability to ask them if they're okay. Mm. So be kind, be kind, rewind, you know, Um, love each other, wipe your butts, wipe your noses, you know? Eat your Uh, veggies. Yeah, eat your veggies. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I just think we all can collectively do better as a globe. Sure. Yo, I I want to echo that. Absolutely, bro. Um, Yo, so thank you all for listening. I'll catch y'all on the next one. Bye. Don't come for me. No, but this is actually fun. It's informative because I've already learned a couple of things that I didn't know or things that I hadn't thought about.